Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts, all their live events, everything they got going on at OsirisPod.com. In this episode, I present an interview with innovative film and documentary director and producer Jeremy Pion Berlin. Jeremy's diverse skill set is reflected in the projects that he has crafted. From branding content for Samsung and Folgers, a docuseries, Heartlandia, to a documentary chronicling professional football player Derek Carr. His latest documentary, Failure to Protect, is the focus of this episode. Failure to Protect follows five parents, Anna, Trish, Rita, Ernst, and Rosa, as they fight desperately to reunify with their children taken by Child Protective Services. It's an unwavering and nuanced look at the child welfare system where criminals have more rights than parents. The family stories showcase the variety of circumstances that can lead to a child's removal from the home, as well as the trials and tribulations that inevitably follow. The cases are as complex as they are tragic. They include histories of mental illness, as well as allegations of abuse, neglect, and trauma. Parents are pitted against their own children and each other. Along the way, the parents fight to clear their names and prove their fitness as guardians. Through these highly personal stories, Failure to Protect explores many tough questions, such as do parents whose personal struggles can promise their children's safety deserve a second chance? Is the CPS system biased against minorities, LGBTQ couples, and the economically disadvantaged? To avoid leaving a child in an abusive or dangerous environment, do social workers remove children first and ask questions later? The film offers an unprecedented in-depth window into the grim realities of the child welfare system through the often ignored perspective of parents. In this episode, Jeremy and I discuss the surprising truth that a person has more rights as a criminal in the criminal justice system than as a parent in the child welfare system. We consider the amount of power social workers have while also acknowledging the immense challenges of their work. We talk about the profound trauma that affects both the parents and children in dealing with the foster system. Potential changes that could make the child welfare system more just and so much more. I learned so much from Failure to Protect. It's a it's very eye-opening film, and uh, as was this interview with Jeremy Pion Berlin. Cross the margin. Cross the margin. podcast um cool well i'm thrilled to talk about failure to protect i mean it's, it's i didn't realize how broken the system was i didn't realize you know the trauma that it was inflicting on so many people and it was it was really highlighted in your film so thanks for making the time really appreciate it thank you appreciate that so um why did you want to tell this story about the uh, concerns of the child uh, welfare welfare system in the united states yeah, so um, my mom actually runs a nonprofit. Uh, mm. She's the CEO of. It's called uh, Parents Anonymous, and the nonprofit does a lot of things. But uh, one of its functions is it helps parents who get involved in the child welfare system navigate it. Because mm. essentially, if you've had no contact with the child welfare system, there's not like a ten step plan of what to do here, and it can be pretty um, perplexing and terrifying for a lot of parents. So. 
uh, they go to groups at, you know, her nonprofit and they, you know, get shared support and they help them kind of, you know, figure out uh, what to do in the situation. Um, and so one day I was kind of there doing the video for, for Parents Anonymous and I just sat down parent after parent. And I just said, tell me your story. How did you lose your kids? How did you get here? And I kind of kept hearing like the same story over and over again. Mm-hmm different faces, different names, but the same kind of injustices were happening over and over again. And I just kind of walked out that day really inspired to try to tell this story from the parents' perspective. And like, what's it like to prove that you're not this monster, that you're not what the system is paying you as? And yeah, I just kind of went on that journey from that day. Absolutely. That's a a personal touch there. That's wild. So I think it's interesting kind of to start off here to talk about the numbers and how just how many people this affects because that is brought up in the film and this is this is there's actually more people in the system than I thought I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit yeah so there's about roughly 500,000 children that you know enter the foster care every year mm-hmm. um, uh, but then even beyond that you know you can have an open child welfare case mm-hmm. as well your kids might can still stay in the home at times yeah. so that you know as far as how many cases are you know we could be looking at close to a million cases a million people affected in, in america um with this system mm-hmm. and you know the general thing is most of these people are black or brown most of these people are from lower socioeconomic means I mean, like in the state of California, if you think about it, I mean, there's only six private attorneys, six in the whole state of California that wow. that work in this field. So the other 99% are public defenders, right? Essentially for parents or kids. Um, so it's, you know, it's very much um, a system that's, you know, built, you know, that affects a certain type of person, right? Because if you have money, Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get your case solved pretty quickly, right? Um, and most of these cases, they say a six month that it can be taken care of in six months. I've never seen a case taken care of in six months. I'd say it's about a year minimum, okay. even if whatever the child claims happens, if they find out is wrong, untrue, it's a lie, they don't just return the kids. Once your kid's in the system, you know, you are going to have to go through that rigmarole and, um, you know, they're not going to admit like fault per se. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned one um, reason there's an injustice, a racial injustice there. But I mean, it's kind of a, the foundational kind of premise to the doc is this idea that the rights of criminals are actually, um, you know, in the criminal system. Um, they have more rights than, than a parent in the child welfare system. So I'd love to love to hear you discuss, um, you know, those injustices and the, in that in that way from that frame point. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are confused. You know, when you have a, uh, a case in the system, it goes to the juvenile dependency court, but this juvenile dependency court is not like a normal court. It's not like civil court. It's not like criminal court. There's no jury. Uh, it's a closed courtroom, which is a huge another factor as well. So journalists, documentary filmmakers, you can't just go into these courtrooms and, you know, see what's happening. Because yeah. they say they close it for the protection of the children, um, but you know, in my opinion, when you don't have checks and balances, you don't have outside eyes on things. I think it protects children less, realistically. Yeah. 
because you don't yeah. have those checks and balances. So like that's a that's a key difference between this you know kind of court and other ones you see. Um, also, hearsay is allowed into these yeah. courtroom hearings. And it's only allowed from the social worker's perspective. So the social worker can use hearsay to take a child away from a parent, but a parent can't use hearsay to defend themselves. So, I mean, like one of the uh, civil rights attorneys in the film, Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Powell says like, you know, when you allow hearsay into a courtroom, you bastardize that courtroom. And I firmly believe that as well, because, you know, and also the standards of uh, proof essentially to remove a child from the home are incredibly low. It's actually the lowest standard of proof. Mm. Um, And they do that because they, they say it's to be safe. But again, when you lose, when you use low standards, you get low results, you know? And so um, their overprotectiveness and their mind is let's just take the child away and just, you know, but like, the foster care system, as we know, has, you know, a litany of problems, uh, ch- children's likelihood of abuse, physical or sexual, like triples the second yeah. you enter foster care. Yeah. Yep. So the idea that it's safer there than in an imperfect home, that's kind of ludicrous, um, unfortunately. So those were some of the things that I Absolutely. The hearsay things, uh, just kind of unbelievable to me. And then also the idea that, you know, they're not proven to a reasonable doubt, um, which you're kind of alluding to there. I mean, would it be safe to say from everything you were seeing that it seemed to me that the social workers have too much power? Is that the case? Well, I think it is and it isn't, right? Because, you know, and I think people like to think in like binary terms, like, all social workers are like this, you know, there are great social workers out there. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes actually, which is crazy, which I learned that if you, if you want to recommend that the kids go home to mom and dad, you know, your supervisor or your supervisor, supervisor will just tell you, no, they might not even know the case. Mm -hmm. They might Mm -hmm. never met the parent most likely, but they will just say no. And if you don't abide by your supervisor, you'll get taken off the case. Yeah. So Sometimes that happens, but also it, it does depend a lot on the social worker, right? I mean, um, oftentimes in a lot of states, that social worker that comes to your house and takes your kids away from you is the social worker that's going to be on your case for the next year. Now, imagine the things you said to that social worker that day yes. when they took your kids away. You yep. probably said the worst things, and obviously you did. They're of your course. kids, yep. you know? And But, you know, the social worker is human too, right? And so... Yep. They don't forget those mm-hmm. horrible things you said to them. So unfortunately, like, you know, uh, someone within the system told me it's not supposed to work like this, but the you know the biggest factor in you getting your kids back is whether your social worker likes you or not. Wow. You know, and that's yeah. not how it's supposed to work, but that's how it works, you know, and their stick is your kids and taking mm-hmm. your kids and, um, you know, that process of how you can get your kids back. So mm-hmm. um, they do have a lot of power. Um, they write court reports that, you know, the judges essentially take as facts when they're really not. Um, and they will pencil with parents. You know, one major thing is, you know, why aren't they recording um, their meetings with the families? Right. Everyone's got a cell phone. Um, it's so easy to record. You know, mm-hmm. cops have body cams now. Right. Um, it's not an expensive thing. But these yeah. counties will fight that tooth and nail because that's how they pistol, uh, pencil with you, you know. And um, yeah, so they do have a lot of power, but um, unfortunately, when you do have a good one who wants to do the right thing, 
that mm-hmm. power can be subverted pretty quickly. Put it yeah. that way. Yeah, and I guess the other thing with the power thing is also, you know, you kind of see the other side of the coin too, where a lot of these um, social workers, it, it could be super challenging. Look like there was like a, a lot of workloads. Um, you know, they weren't didn't have like the resources they have. So it's, I mean, it's a challenging job as well. Not only, you know, did they. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's it's incredibly challenging job, you know, and, they, you know, um, the caseload is very high. The amount of paperwork they have to do is very high. And, yeah, they're not getting a lot of uh, love, per se, from these these families, too. So, you know, you can imagine, you know, you're getting beat down on your end, too. So, I mean, it's a it's a thankless job for sure. And, um, you know, there are a lot of great social workers I've met out there. I just think. um you know, it's the system's fault. It's the training's fault. Um, and, and there's a social worker's fault too, at times for sure. I think, um, you know, they got to remove their biases from the situation and, um, and, you know, know what the goal is, you know, the goal is to try to bring families together, not rip them apart, you know, and that's the really goal here. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the injustices that we're seeing in this thing, and so you got a real personal touch with you know all the the parents that you introduce us to. Some of it's pretty uh, intense. You know, for example, what was happening to um, Rita and Anna? Because you know, I mean, it's it, it was just it's so unfair. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that affected them, that unfairness, and and just kind of like the deep trauma there. It was really intense to go on their journey. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you lose your kids to the system, it, it's a trauma just right there. Just the uh-huh. day they take them, that's that's like a huge trauma immediately. Uh-huh. Right. And so, um, you know, like Trish and Ernst, they divorced over yeah. this over yeah. this stuff. You know, um, this kind of stuff, you know, can take years. You know, it takes a, a year or two. Maybe you get your kids back and then you got five years probably of therapy and all this other stuff to deal with that trauma. So, um, you know, it really burns parents out and, um, and, and they'll succumb essentially, you know, and what I learned through the system is if when you saw that there's the three sets of families right here, you have Trish and Ernst, you know, Retta, Anna, and you have Rosa, Trish and Ernst and Retta, Anna, they fought, they pushed back on the system and what happened, Mm -hmm. their cases took way longer. Mm -hmm. They got worse results. Yep. Yep. And so when you fight the system, it just, it just, you're not going to win. Right. And Rosa, you saw, she succumbed more to it mm-hmm. and she got her kids back quicker and yep. she had a smoother uh, road. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's, you know, the, you know, your instinct as a parent is to fight for your I kids. Try, right. Try, yeah. and to, mm-hmm. to try to quelch that instinct is very uh, difficult for to say, you know, and I don't know many parents who can just turn that off. Right. You ask any parent where they, would they rather go to jail or lose their kid? You know, they tell you in a second, they'd rather go to jail, you know, everybody. You know? Yeah. So like, um, I think, yeah, the, the traumas are deep and they're still dealing with them. You know, the families that were involved in this um, and yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to get over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It makes me, you know, what you're saying makes me think of what you said earlier. That really affected me seeing kind of the parents actually seeing the moments where they're losing their kids and they are being judged at that moment. What mm-hmm. you know, the worst thing to ever happen to them. That, that, that really, really struck me just seeing that, um, you know, the, there's a lot of focus, obviously it's kind of the focus is on the parents, but you know, you do get to witness kind of uh, how the foster um, system affects kids. And what did, what did you learn uh, about that? How it, how it affects the children themselves? Yeah, I think, you know, the foster care system is really tough on kids because mm-hmm. it's not, um, 
it's not home, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, they they don't feel exactly fully comfortable there, you know, even, um, I'm, you know, and like there are some great foster parents out there and there are some not great foster parents out there, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's, um, you know, in some cases, kids, they like it because they have freedom now. Because when you're in a foster home, uh, a kid can do whatever the hell they want, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, you know, sure, some foster homes can be very strict. They can be the opposite. But then they could also be like, you know, you got your food, uh, you're going to school, uh, you got clothes on your back. Um, here's you know, the money that the government gives me to give you. Good. That's it. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of like basic one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of go on. And so I found with some of the kids, you know, uh, they felt like they couldn't really get settled. Um, there's kind of like an in limbo kind of state. Um, a lot of, you know, if they take, you know, one, if they, you know, abuse uh, allegations come up for one kid, the system will take all the kids, right? Um, so if one kid says, mom hit me, then all three kids go, right? Yeah. And they'll often go to three separate homes too. Um, and they won't put them in the same home. And, you know, it just makes it more complicated for visits. And so parents, you know, you have monitored visits to start where there's like a social worker present. Mm -hmm. And then you have unmonitored visits. And then you get overnight visits. And then after overnight, you hopefully get your kids back. So that's kind of the process you go through to get your kids back. But I would say from the kids perspective, it sort of depends what situation they're leaving and what situation they're coming into. Um, because sometimes they are leaving some bad abuse and they, you know, it, it is a good break for them. Other times, a lot of these parents are just really strict and they just don't like how strict their parents are. And so they love foster care because they get freedom. Uh, other times they get into a foster home and, you know, uh, it's even more strict than home and they hate it. Or they get into a group home and those are apparently outlawed in California and in, not always outlawed in all states, but... Mm -hmm. Group homes are rough, real rough, real, real rough. And uh, I've never heard of a kid say a positive thing about a group home. Let's put it that way. Those, uh, That's where abuse and all that stuff skyrockets in those kind of places. And, and there you are really just a number. You know what I mean? You're just bed number 10 or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's tough on the kids for sure. Yeah, it was, I was, it was heartbreaking seeing um, Ernst's son, um, who has uh, Down syndrome, I believe. He was, it, that was, that was just, I mean, he was losing weight in the foster home. That was, that was a lot, a lot to take in. Um, the funding's an, an interesting issue, and it's brought up in the film how, um, you know, a lot of the funding depends on actually kids being in foster care. Kind of almost made me think of the prison system in certain ways, but, you know, I think the line was when you take kids away from, uh, from families, you get more funding. Uh, what did you learn about the funding when you, uh, you know, were making this film? Yeah, I mean, you made a good point that it is very kind of analogous to the prison. Uh, all, the I was thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, the truth is, if you, you're more, you know, if you're black, you're more likely to go to jail. But mm -hmm. if you're black, you're more likely to get a foster care case, right? So it's yep. like a cycle. You know, you go through foster care, you get out, um, you you don't have the help and resources of a normal life and you might end up in prison and then you have kids and then those kids might end up in foster care and then you know and then the cycle continues so um unfortunately i think if the money that's 30 billion we spend annually on the child welfare system if it was 
funneled in a better direction, mm -hmm. we would have a completely different system, right? Because it's all about the money and it's all about how the money flows into the system. And like you said, yeah, obviously the money is all about once kids are already in the system, it's not really about, you know, prevention. So, you know, a lot of these parents, you know, let's say single mother works two jobs for kids, you know, she needs support services, uh, you know, mental health, you know, um, all kinds of stuff that I mean, that money could be spent giving mom support, not mm -hmm. judging her, taking her kids away, causing trauma, you know what I mean? And it's not to say that like, certain parents out there, right, don't deserve to lose their kids. And they and there are parents out there that totally do. But I think like, the reason I wanted to make this film was that the only story you ever hear about child welfare in the LA Times or any other documentary you've ever seen, if you saw the Gabriel Gale Fernandez one or foster care, same story every time. Par yep. Horrible parents, horrible abuse and neglect. And the, the social worker should have stepped in sooner to take these kids away. Yep. That's the only story you ever hear. You never hear the, the, the converse story, which is actually the majority story. You mm -hmm. know, those uh, cases of horrible abuse and neglect, that's like 10, 15 percent of these cases. Yep. Most yep. of the times you're talking about parents who don't like each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one did something the other. They want to get them in trouble, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, it's it's a money thing or they've made us some sort of mistake, but it doesn't rise to the level of you know taking your kids away so i think you know if the money you know and they they say they're trying to change the system or whatever but when you have something this large it really doesn't change there there might be minute things but at the end of the day there's there's a real big dissidence i find when you're talking to people that work within child welfare right with how mm -hmm. the system's supposed to work Mm -hmm. And then you go outside to the courtroom and you talk to the families and how it's actually working. And that that gap is very, very big. And they'll often talk about it. it's supposed to. It's, you know, they'll use that kind of word supposed to a lot or, you know, but when you really look at it, it's like, well, what matters is what's happening to the people. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that could be changed um, if the finances were focused on, you know, giving these resources to these families um, instead of ripping them apart, putting them in foster care and then spending resources to give them help there, which is a more traumatic uh, situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're talking about change a little bit. I mean, you do kind of introduce us to some amazing, super passionate people who are kind of, um, you know, talking about the problem as you are and, uh, you know, kind of working towards fixing it. What do you, do you see, I mean, you see people out there um, trying to change the system. Obviously, it's great. You know, a documentary like this has us talking about it. And I, I mean, like I said, it was super eye opening to me. But you must have seen some people really passionate about it, making some fixes. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of different factions of people that want to make changes. I mean, there's a lot of people who will just say just abolish it. You know, there's a big abolitionist group, oh, really? you know, and that yeah, that's a big thing of just it's, you know, the idea is it's too broken that you kind of need to you know, rip it down from scratch and start anew. Um, you know, I would love that to happen. I, I don't see that uh, really as a thing that we ever do in America. And I think that would be a very difficult um, thing to do. But, you know, I think, um, you know, like the, un, you know, like the racial bias or bias training, you know, I think they, they're, they're trying to improve that with social workers, you know, a lot of social workers are like, you know, 
to be frank, they're just, you know, they're, they're young 20 something white women, right. With mm -hmm. no children, um, very little life experience. And these are the, these are the main types of people that come into social work. Yeah. So trying to get them to, you know, work on their unconscious, unconscious biases and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and they do have more parent advocates, people that have been through the system to be there in these rooms, you know, and to be that cool. kind of, that lever lever of support but i mean unfortunately I, I i haven't seen any real significant change within the system um i think like the things we talked about earlier like mm -hmm. removing the hearsay opening up the courtroom um There's you like know no trainers right there from to, to me yeah you know, those things yeah those things would make a huge difference obviously the money you know how that flows in those would all be great differences but you know with this doc i didn't really want to like tell people how to change the system in it. I don't find that as a um, filmmaker, that's something that excites me. Mm -hmm. I like to just arm people with the information and and lay it out there as cleanly as in and non-biased as I can, and then let people make kind of their own decisions from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the system could be fixed. Um, you know, a lot of the big changes within the system actually happened in 1997. Hillary Clinton, actually, when she was first lady, championed a bill. It's called ASFA, uh, Adoptions and Safe Families mm. Act. And essentially, before the, you know, it's like the road to hell is paved in good intentions, right? And this bill had good intentions. Um, and essentially, it was like kids, you know, who can't go home to mom and dad, they languish in foster care, right? And they kind of just age out of the system. And it's really crappy for these kids you know that can't go back and they'll just kind of age out at 18 or 21 and we just cut them loose and they don't have real good results let's put it that way right and um so they wanted to stop that so they wanted to move more a push towards adoption right because adoption is more permanent and you know you get a sense of home and so they incentivize these counties that you know um essentially they would pay them four to eight thousand dollars per child that they move from foster care to adoption, which is great for those families that, you know, that the kid really isn't going to come home, but it can be really terrifying when, you know, for families that, you know, they feel like they've been wrongly, uh, you know, handled. And one kind of creepy thing is like a family has six months to remediate the issue if the child is three or under, and they have mm. eight months to remediate the issue if the child is over three. And you ask yourself, why is that right? right? Why only six months for, for a baby and mm -hmm. 18 months for, well, you know why? Because people want to adopt cute babies. Uh, no one wants to adopt a 15 year old child with behavioral issues yeah. and mental health issues. Mm -hmm. That kid is not, you know, a hot adoption item. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this law really, kind of change the system before, whereas you would see before the government would just, you know, it, the kid would just go to grandma and the government would just give grandma a check and grandma, you know, would take care of the kid. And now they say they do, but like, that's another issue. Like kids, you know, there's, there should be a family member these kids are going to, if, yeah. if they just need them out of the home for a brief minute. Yeah. And that would really shorten, you know, limit the trauma that these kids are going through and they, and they don't, and they really don't. So, I mean, that would be a, another big fix is kind of going back to that model, I think.
Yeah, a lot, a lot of work to be done there. Uh, kind of bring us home a little bit. I just want to ask kind of a personal question with uh, kind of going on that journey with all these families. How long was the period, first off? Because, like, I mean, you're going through all these court cases. You're there the whole time. How long was this, uh, this experience with, with each of these families? Yeah, so from the first day I started filming till me finishing editing, it was mm-hmm. almost three years. Um, so, yeah, it was a journey, you know, mm-hmm. and like um, – and I was kind of working throughout that doing yeah. other TV shows. So um, this is my baby. I call yeah. this my baby. Sure. So, um, so a lot of passion there. Yep. You know, and uh, yeah, but it was great because, you know, you kind of see people grow in a different way, you know, instead of like a kind of condensed shoot where you just kind of do it all in a month and it's yeah. over like mm-hmm. this, you know, you kind of film for a day or two, then you see them in a couple months and mm-hmm. things have changed and, you know, you do some more filming. And so it, it was kind of an interesting way to like develop relationships and also see people grow differently. Um, Your full arc kind of. Yeah, kind of, you, you kind of have more of an arc with people yeah. and see their change. Like Rosa, for instance, she moved like four times in like the in this course of filming. Every time I meet her, I'm like, oh, you live here now. Or, you know, <laughs> like, so um, it was, it was a unique experience and I definitely did enjoy the kind of, um, that even though obviously I want it to be done sooner, uh, you know, you can't really uh, rush the court system. Yeah, so. and it really, it just showed us kind of uh, go through the whole process with them and then kind of see results. And there was, I mean, a lot of it's heartbreaking, but there was there was some really nice moments as well, too, with some reunions and stuff like that. I learned a lot from the film. I didn't know, I didn't know I had this knowledge gap that I didn't really know of really what was going on with the welfare system. What I just... I thought it was kind of almost unreal how you covered all sides of it. You know, it felt like you were, you know, hitting so many different points and it was deeply personal. So it's a great film. Glad to talk about it and glad to spread the word about it a little bit. So thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me, having me on. My tears are falling because you've taken her away. Can be, and if you 
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.